FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Check it out, George. Oh, boy. <laughs> Made us sweat a little bit more than you would have liked last night in Portland. Pelicans, though, getting the win thanks to some solid performances all the way around, including big, timely shots. Trey left corner three. Online and down in front of our bench. The assist Jose Alvarado and assist Larry Nance Jr. for the screen. That got Trey wide open. Trey Murphy with a couple of big threes at the right time. Now McCollum. Left free throw line extended. Picked up his dribble. Got it to Jonas. Jonas on the block. Skip it to Trey. Right wing three. Rinse. The end. Trey Bien. Oh, man. That was a back and forth game. Finally, Pels went on that run and a nail in the coffin. C.J. McCollum's return. To Portland. 3-10 to go. You're up 10. Stops have been hard to come by. Keon Johnson to the rack. Missed it. Rebound Jonas. There's a stop. Now, can you run the break? Ingram. Chess it. Deflected to McCollum. Right wing three. Buried it! (sighs) Exhale slightly, partner. Yeah, not, not, not a game exhale. Again, just to see the execution. That's that exhale. 113-100, 213-100, to go. Todd Graffanini and John DeShazer. Pels wind up winning at 117-107. Antonio Daniels on the television broadcast probably said it best. It's not always pretty. And at the end of the day, if you've watched enough sports, sometimes games that you think should be easy aren't the key, I think, and a good sign of whether or not you're a good team is finding a way to win. Just get out of there with the victory. Pels do get that. The San Antonio Spurs lost last night. So Pels gained some ground. That's why that game was so important yesterday to get that win because the Spurs had played earlier and you knew that they had lost. And that was a tight one. Grizzlies winning in San Antonio 112-111. to So with all of that and the win... Pels getting a little bit closer to, you know, feeling a little bit better about things. You still have six games left. But right now, the way the standings are, Pelicans are up by game and a half over the Lakers. That is tomorrow night's opponent. Lakers play tonight. Word is, obviously, LeBron is not going to play today. And also, A.D., even though he's starting to ramp up a little bit more, getting better. Now, it depends on what reports you see. Some reports say that when he tried to go to practice on Monday, kind of felt something, so I don't know how healthy he will go. I'm not buying it. I'm telling you right now, there is no way, no how, the Lakers, who take on the Jazz in Utah tonight, it's a back-to-back, right? So that's why they're not playing. All the eggs in one basket tomorrow night against the Pelicans. I would expect to see LeBron for sure, if not Anthony Davis as well. So we'll discuss that. We'll go into the locker room. you hear from Willie Green as well. C.J. McCollum getting a massive standing ovation uh, during Pelican's introductions. The folks stood on their feet for a ton. And you know what? I'll give credit, and it's not that I'm going back and forth or I'm saying, 
you know, you've heard this discussion, whether it's Perkins or the national media, is New Orleans a basketball town, is certain places basketball town. Got to give credit to Portland. Um, that place was packed and it was, it was loud. And the Portland Trailblazers are 27 and 49. They're essentially five games out of the 10 spot, but you know, they've essentially said, Hey, look, we're shutting down, whether it's Josh Hart and a bunch of different players. That's just where they are. That place was packed and they were in on it. That young team was playing hard and they made the Pels earn that victory. But again, they found a way to win. That's key. So that's on the docket today. And I want to hear from you, Pels fans, 800-998-1003 when it comes to that. Also, the USA men's national team, congrats to them. They're in. The goal was to qualify for the World Cup in Qatar next year. They did. They didn't win yesterday, though. They lost to Costa Rica 2-0. Now, they had to lose by six goals for them to not make it. But, uh, it, you know, it was kind of one of those games. It was what it was. Christian Pulisic even saying, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. You're happy you achieved the goal, but you could see by the body reaction and the body language of the team last night and, and even watching it. Uh, look, here's the thing. Two of the final three games the U.S. played here in this important three-game stretch, they didn't score. They didn't score against Mexico. They didn't score last night. Now, you got eight months, eight months to figure it out and, and to, um, you know, be able to put find some offense here. So we'll talk with head coach Kenny Farrell. Tomorrow is the draw. We'll find out what pot the U.S. will be in and all that nature. He'll explain that briefly today at 12.30. 12.45, it's Matt Reiser, head coach of the Southeastern Lions uh, baseball team. On Thursdays, we like to check in and do a little baseball here as well. At 1.15, Mike Silva, head coach of the Nichols Colonels, is going to join us. And they've won five straight on the diamond, including a sweep over the weekend of Matt Reiser's Lions. So we'll talk to Mike coming up at 1.15. 105 is Ben Heisler. I'm going to take a look at his thoughts on the Final Four. Team's been practicing. And um, we're going to, you know, kind of start getting into it here a little bit. Went downtown today, got the credentials, and... You know, you can see the Hyatt's all decked out, ready to go. Folks starting to come in. Fan Fest starts tomorrow at 11. You have the Music Festival as well at Wilderton Park if you want to go out there and check out. Bunch of different musical acts over the weekend. Fan Fest over the weekend at the Convention Center. If you've never been and you've been, it's it's the same thing they do at the Super Bowl. And if you were last time, the Final Four was here. It's fun. Bunch of places to go shoot hoop. You know, do it. Three-point shot competitions. All kind of different things. Over there at the convention center. That is going to be this weekend. So that should be fun. Then at 2.05, Leo Haggerty is going to join us. He would join us right now. The problem is this. There is a press conference in Tampa Bay. The big, it is bombshell news. Late evening yesterday, Bruce Arians stepping down as and retiring as head coach of the Bucks, moving into the front office in that role. He's speaking right now. Cigar in his pocket on his uh, button-down shirt, explaining why was now the right time. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles promoted. Now, he served as the defensive coordinator for Tampa Bay the last three seasons and Jets head coach in 2015 through 18. He had a record of 24-40. and 40. It is interesting, though, this morning how, like Dennis Allen, a defensive coordinator, and like Dennis Allen, not as good as uh, a tenure as a head coach previously, but this is being seen and talked about as a tremendous hire and a fantastic thing that the Bucks are doing. Keep in mind, though, it's interesting, as Nick Underhill from New Orleans, that football 
uh, pointed out this morning, it looks like they're going to have co-defensive coordinators, just like the New Orleans Saints are going to have co-defensive coordinators. So it's interesting. In the NFC South, (laughs) think of this. Matt Rule is your longest tenured head coach in the NFC South. Matt Rule. And as we all have talked about several times here on the show, he didn't start out well. Matt Rule won't be the head coach of your Carolina Kitty Cats. But that's the NFC South. So I don't know how you feel as a Saints fan. Do you think this gives the Saints a bit of an advantage or more? Are you still just bothered by they're not doing anything in free agency in your mind? Uh, another morning, another day. Where Saints fans are wondering why the Saints are so cheap and not signing Teron Matthew. Did you see the tweet yesterday? CD Deuce um, tweeting that he'd like to see Tyron and, and Matthew sending, you know, prairie emojis and, you know, just making it seem like he really wouldn't mind being here. So I, I don't know if they're communicating, if they're talking. Is it the contract? Is it the money? Have they even reached out? I. It, it's just interesting to sort of see it. It looks like a fit. I don't know. I played yesterday um, to my wife. We were watching uh, LSU's Twitter page posted Tyron Matthew, like a four-minute little snippet of what he had to say to the Saints, and it was impressive. I, I Like I said, look, we all know the history. We all know what he did at LSU, and he's one of the greatest who've ever played there. There's no doubt about it. We also know he got kicked off the team. And he had his ups and downs. To hear him speak yesterday and to see what he's done since and how he's, you know, at, at some points you could almost say transformed his life. It's incredible. And and you like seeing that from people, right? I mean, look, we all don't have it easy every day. We don't know what we're going through. Can, can you improve it? Can you try to be better? And that's you know, lesson I try to teach my five-year-old. I can't do anything about yesterday or five minutes ago, but you can do something five minutes from now and the next day. So focus on that future. And that was the message that he gave to those players. I'm going to play that on the show coming up today. I just think you should hear that. I mean, especially because the main reason I, I saw that yesterday and I'm thinking, you know, there's some leadership void now in that secondary and on that team there as well. And a guy like that, that, speaks and thinks like that, man, that's, that's immediate plug-and-play into a team that not only could use it, still think he can be effective on the football field, but, again, to sort of have that attitude, I don't think it'd be a bad thing. So let's see if something works out from that aspect or not. And I saw a report yesterday that the Dolphins were no longer interested in signing him. Maybe it's because he's kind of expressed as well that maybe didn't want to go there. I don't know. We will see. Um what it's going to be. But it's very interesting, the Bruce Arians thing. There's a lot of speculation in and around the area, naturally, that this came about because of Tom Brady and the Howard struggle, perhaps, that he agreed to come back as long as Arians wasn't head Bruce Arians just said, he's speaking live, he doesn't even know what his title is. And he doesn't care what his title is. <laughs> it's very interesting. You got two sides of the story. You got a lot of people to believe that um, Tom said, I'm back as long as Bruce is not there. And it stems from essentially Bruce Arians kind of has a very loose locker room. And Tom Brady's used to a more, you know, stringent sort of structured sort of environment. 
and there were several people that thought that that was the reason they didn't win last year. He expressed that verbally a lot of times after games that um, he wished people had more focus and things that nature. I, I don't know. So that's why literally Leo is on. Well, he's there. So he'll give us a take as to what people think. Peter King was one of the first to break the story yesterday. Was on ESPN this morning. From Arian's standpoint, he always wanted to leave this team to the guys who he who had coached with him for a long time or who he knew for a long time. Todd Bowles, uh, going back to the days in Arizona before Todd Bowles got the Jets job, Bruce Arians loves Todd Bowles, loves him. And he wanted to make sure that if he left this team, that he was going to be able to give it to a coach who he knew and respected, and he was going to be able to do it while the 31 coaches and staff people he had were taken care of. Jeff Darlington on ESPN, his thoughts. Well, Bruce Arians' decision to retire from coaching football certainly stunned the NFL, but not necessarily the organization. For the past couple of weeks, the Bucks have been working with Arians to decide exactly how they would go about his succession plan, with Arians really wanting to make sure that Todd Bowles was the coach who was going to step in to that head coaching position. I texted with Arians late throughout the night, talking to him about this decision. And ultimately, he said that he wanted to make sure that Bowles was stepping into a situation where he was able to succeed. Succession plans have been very important to Arians, and he knows that once Tom Brady was coming back to this team, he said it actually made his decision to retire easier because he knew that Bowles would be in a better situation to coach a solid team in 2022, and he can leave the Bucks organization in good hands for the future. And finally, Diana Rossini talked. I spoke with Coach uh, late last night about his decision, and you know he he seems really good with it, and he wanted he wanted to do this on his own terms, and this seemed like the best way to go about it. And you know, I I I asked him pretty much straight up, you know, why now, you know, and. Ownership and, and, and coach, they, they have a great relationship. And the thought of perhaps Tom Brady retiring and then having their head coach retire would have been a lot for that organization all at once, right? Their star quarterback and their head coach gone. Um, and I think for him, he just felt like the time was right. So there you go, right? I mean, the NFC South now, longest tenured head coach is Matt Rule. So that's the big NFL news of the day. Love to hear from you Saints fans or what you think that means to the division. Sean Payton, Bruce Arians both stepping away, um, and new coaches, but they're both the defensive coordinators from the same team. So hiring from within. When we come back, we will get into that win. Pelicans, 117-107. We'll go into the locker room and hear what they had to say. Don't forget, college basketball fans, in addition to the action on the court, it's the biggest tournament of the year. We want you to get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Why? Well, if you're a new customer and you bet 5 bucks on any team to win, you get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. They win, you win. And don't forget the same game parlays. It's a little green button. It's a slide. Slide it on over. And then it activates. You combine multiple bets for the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings, it's safe, secure, reliable, unlike Jordan. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want to give Jordan 5. I don't know if you're getting it back. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code LaRose. Bet $5 on any college hoops. Team to win. Get $200 in free bets. Use that promo code LaRose. L-A-R-O-S-E to get that activated for you. When we come back, we'll hear from Coach Green and other Pels players. We want to hear from you Pels fans. 
It's the Sport Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Everybody moving to the beat. They're going to get hot down in the USA. Spring is finally here. At Greg LeBlanc Toyota and Homa, we're ready with truckloads of fresh inventory arriving daily. Plus fantastic deals like the all-new redesigned 2022 Toyota Tundra or the fuel-efficient class-leading MPG with Camry and Corolla. Greg LeBlanc Toyota is also giving you top dollar for your trade. Go ahead and shop the inventory online now at GregLeBlancToyota.com. These outstanding deals won't last long. Nope. Greg's got the deals. Shop South Hollywood Road, Homa. It's crawfish season and Louisiana crawfish are ready for boiling. Rouse's Markets has special seafood boiling rooms in stores. Yep, these guys are professional boilers. Rouse's Markets starts with the prettiest Louisiana crawfish, of course. But the key is the Rouse's Down the Bayou Seafood Mix. It's seasoned with just the right amount of lemon and onion and garlic and heat. Get Rouse's Louisiana crawfish hot from the pot. 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. That's 11 to 7 at Rouse's Market. Tastes like home. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. If your garage door is damaged or destroyed during Hurricane Ida, then you need to call American Garage Door Supplies in Homa today. If you need a dependable repair or professional installation, American Garage Door Supplies in Homa will deliver a level of incredible service for your residence or business. Call 985-633-1623 today or stop by 7424 West Park in Homa and check out the many colors of residential and commercial roll-up doors. Plus, at American Garage Door Supplies of Homa, you'll get your door in just a few weeks, not months. Like us on Facebook, American Garage Doors. How can we be excited about a show where we just talk? Talk sports. That's how they talk in the major league. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. 101-96. Ingram back in for the Pels. Nail jumper. Got fouled in one. He levitated in midair. And got it to go. He is back-to-back and one opportunities for the Pels. Can't get many stops on defense, but they can't be stopped on offense. Yeah, that was kind of part of the thing watching a game last night. Just could not get the defensive stops. It just wasn't there. The energy or just really just it just didn't happen, right? Look, I've called enough games, and I'm not anywhere near the NBA, college, men's basketball level. But if you call games, you watch games enough, you've seen it, right? Even if you're a Saints fan, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes games, you're like, this is a W. And you're like, what is going on here? It's a battle to the death here late in the fourth. I mean, it it just happens sometimes. It just happens. Um, there are reasons, obviously. You know, obviously they couldn't get stops on defense. Some of the threes didn't go in. Portland's three-point shooting was out of control yesterday. And, you know, I don't know what they are normally, but they knocked down 14 threes. They took 42. So <laughs> the Pelicans took 24, knocked down six. That That's a problem, too. Your threes aren't going in. They knocked down 14. Start doing the math. 14 times three, six times three, one is more. So that was an issue. At least the Pels, though, in the second half, 
won all of the quarters there in the third, uh, 34, 28 in the fourth, 32 to 25 in the second and 1918 Pell's quarter. They lost the first by four, 36, 32. So you never got the sense and feel watching that game that it was going to be out of hand. You were just, you were just waiting for the Pell's to kind of play their best game. But again, it, it just is what it is sometimes. You got to find a way to win it. And I think that was the thing that really stood out to me yesterday in watching this game is did you find a way to to get the win? Willie Green, after the game, on the message at halftime to the locker room. We just had to pick up our, our uh, sense of urgency. And, you know, the guys understand uh, Portland, they play hard. Uh, a lot of guys in their team are trying to earn an opportunity in, in the NBA. And those guys, they're not giving you anything for free. They go out, they play hard, they rebound the ball, they play together. And... um the important thing for us was just to win the game. Indeed. And again, no one's going to look at this tomorrow. And, and, and you know, well, how do they win? How come is it? Doesn't matter. Another number changed in the win column. And that's the key. Bottom line. That is the key. Um, also, this team found a way again to close. You, you heard on one of the highlights there, they gave it a 10-point lead and the run that they needed. That's closing. That That's, you know, making money shots. I mentioned Trey Murphy. He only had two threes in the game. They had a total of 10 points, but they were timely. Jose Alvarado didn't get a lot of points. They had four steals. He had six points, but he had four steals. They they all mattered. They turned into points. Um, Larry Nance Jr., eight. Najee Marshall, eight, but he was six for six from the free throw line. And again, timely buckets, timely trips to the line. Speaking of the charity stripe, New Orleans was 31 of 39 from the free throw line. 39 possible points and got 31. Portland was 15 of 18. So you got 31 out of your 117 from the free throw line. The majority of those coming from Brandon Ingram. He was 11 of 13. 11 of 13. And Willie Green talked about the importance of Brandon Ingram getting to the free throw line and providing points. It was really big for us, especially because we we couldn't make any threes tonight. So getting to the free throw line, uh, getting into the paint and trying to score uh, was our offense. And, you know, we'll have games like that where we're just not shooting the ball great, but once we get stops, we can get out and run, we can get to the free throw line, we can get to the paint. You've heard me say this before, I've referenced it, Michael Jordan. He said it some nights, as good as he is, shots don't go down. And then he says, but I know I can go to the free throw line, I'm going to get fouled, and I'm going to make the free throws. And credit to the Bells there. I mean, again, you saw it as the game started. You lost the first quarter, and you knew at that point you're you're in a battle. Now that game turned into, can we get out of here with a win? So how do we do it? And you saw the adjustments being made, zones. You saw them trying to adjust the Pels to what the, the Blazers were doing as well as Willie Green touched on it afterwards. Well, the zone is meant to stagnate your team. And um, I thought they did a good job of picking up full court, dropping back into a zone, just throwing the different looks at us and – we just had to figure it out, figure out a way to score, figure out a way to move the ball. And like I said, the key for us is, is win the game. So I'm proud of the guys for that. Brandon Ingram 
his thoughts after the game on getting to the free throw line? Uh, it kind of just unfolded that way. You know, um, this game was um, a little a little different today. Um, Portland had some hungry some hungry players today that wanted to get after it, and um, they boosted our urgency um, today. And um, I just try to be aggressive, but they were the aggressive today, and they were um, they were aggressive on defense. Let's be honest. We, we've seen this performance before in the past with AD, without AD, with Gentry, with Stay in Van. We they came up with the list, 14 games, double-digit leads in the fourth quarter. Yes, watching that game yesterday, most of us that either cover the team or just follow the team as fans are probably complaining most of it. They found a way. They closed. Honestly, again... That's the difference between being a playoff team and not, right? The season had 14 games where they blew double-digit leads. Not a playoff team. Why? Because of that. Remember the graph in studio saying, give me half of those. Give me seven. You're, you're a playoff team. So it was ugly. You wish it looked better, but you found a way. C.J. McCollum had a heck of an emotional night, which we'll get into next on being able to find a way to close. Yeah, I wasn't sure how what it would look like, but yeah, no, nah, it was cool. It's, it's hard to um, envision something like this. You don't really, you've never been through it. You don't really know what it's going to look like, but it was nice to be a part of it. It was nice to, to see everything, you know, have my family here, have my people that I care about able to see this and um, for the fans um, to show love like that, for them to um, care and cheer for me. You know, an opposing player now at this point in my career just kind of shows you how much um, they care about me. It was incredible in that introduction. You, you saw the, the crowd, like I said, stand there for several minutes before they announced, you know, um, Portland. They did a video tribute as well. And Willie Green said it didn't get past him either. Beautiful. Um, it speaks to who CJ is, what he's meant to this organization. And then the fans, um, the people here just recognizing all that CJ means and what he's done in the community here, the way he treats folks, um, you know, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty awesome to see. As for CJ himself, he described the emotions. No, it was cool. It was, it was very cool to, to be out there and to, to see the love, um, standing ovations, all that type of stuff. Um, to be a part of that was, was something special, something myself and my family will probably never forget. So I, I'm appreciative of it and thankful. And, I thought it was a special moment. You saw him at the beginning of the game and then after the game saying hello to a ton of people? Yeah, I talked to a lot of them. I had to chop it up with Dame. I chopped it up with their staff. I got to catch up with Chance. Um, Nerd came over last night, so I seen him. But, you know, I talked to Ant. Nah, it's all, all the guys that I played with, had a relationship with. Brazzy, um, Heads, it was good to see him. Scotty, Eddie, Eddie, Jess, Jeff. Todd let me in the weight room, so I got to do my – my uh, pregame stuff in so got to see him and, Ch- and Charles and everybody so it was really cool all the doctors everybody you know I, I know a lot of people uh, I've been here a long time and they all showed me love and I wanted to reciprocate that and try to spend some time but I do got a job to do so I had to kind of go back and, and get ready for the game and, they, and they, they made me a chicken sandwich so shout out to the kitchen for looking out for me and giving me a chicken sandwich <laughs> I, I used to get chicken sandwich for the games there you go that's pretty cool um also, you can hear it in his voice. Uh, that, that drains. That's, that, that's draining, isn't it? Nah, it was tough. 
I got off to a good start, and then I was just tired. <laughs> Almost airballed a free throw. Just, like, physically drained, you know, mentally drained. It's a lot to go through. Um, you know, you try to get up for the game, keep your routine, and then it's just a lot going on that you can't really explain. And it takes a lot of your energy away. It's, it's an emotional um, part of the game. It's an emotional part of your life. And um, like I said, I, I'm glad I was able to go through it, glad I was able to, to play tonight and help my team win. And looking forward to turning the page. He said that at the end of the television broadcast, too, is that he's glad it's over and done with, and then he doesn't have to deal with it anymore. And it's not it's a bad thing. It's just as you can hear him. I mean, it does. I, I loved seeing that reaction, though, and, and that connection. Right, And it's kind of what I've been saying about this team. And Jack yesterday called towards the end of the show, and he brought up a very good question. And it's something that I, I love to kind of explore, too. It's like, who has the more promising future, the Pelicans or the Saints? And one of the things the Saints did in the Sean Payton era was create that connection. And he evolved from first getting here to by the time he left. And little things from inside the locker room that a lot of people wouldn't see that you would if you're media from changing the photos. I mean, there's there's a hallway that leads from the front of the building essentially towards the back exit to the indoor facility. And we used to joke. I mean, Larry Holden and I would joke when we walked by. We'd call it the Hall of Mediocrity. Now, I'm not being ugly. I just you know, again, this is before well before the Saints were. You know, a Super Bowl champion. I mean, it's the Hall of Mediocrity. Like, you'd see some some photos of some players, and, you know, you, you're celebrating them because you, you like them. And, you you know, you know Eric Davis or, you know, they they, they went to, uh, you know, Dalton Hill. They were LSU fans. But, I mean, they weren't like stars, superstars. And Sean changed that climate and culture putting banners inside the practice facility, welcoming back players. Look, I again, the way we view the Bensons now and Tom in particular was a lot different than when Sean first got here. I can promise you that. And, and the way how the, the team um, worked and handled and dealt with its former players. It, it's commonplace towards the end of Sean's career and in the middle of it, as you saw him here, where during training camp, right, there's Lance Moore, there's Meacham, there's a bunch of, there's Colson all signing autographs. You didn't have that before, Sean. But again, it, it just goes to the connection and being able to have that. I look forward to that eventually getting commonplace with the Pels. You're sort of seeing it. At least it's an inception um, this year in that fans love them some Herb Jones, right? Not on her becoming a thing. Fans every day, pay the man, Jose Alvarado, get him a contract. Like, you're seeing the fan base connect with players. It's why you, you see that angst sometimes about if Zion just opens himself up and accepts it and does it, imagine what he could be. So, you know, that that's why you, I think, hear a lot of fans kind of like, come on, man. Um, we're embracing guys that didn't have contracts. Imagine if you're a superstar or a quote-unquote once-in-a-generational talent and sort of feel and act that way. Again, I bring up the text yesterday from Lamar Jackson um, in the tweet, rather, in which he says, stop with all the stuff that I'm trying to leave Baltimore. Um, I'm not. He, it's, again, one simple tweet, one simple walk over to a media member can end any of that stuff because this morning walking the dog, as we go to break, I heard it again. I heard it again. I heard it again. Why the Knicks have got to trade Julius Randle. 
for Zion Williamson. Why? Why this guy tried to explain to me as I'm walking the dog this morning, a beautiful, brisk, sunny morning. Why that that benefits the Pelicans? <laughs> And why the Pels should be eager to do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. I just, I just really wish it was one tweet. Can you give me one tweet? Uh, we'll take a quick break. Kenny Farrell will join us quickly to kind of put a wrap in and kind of give us an idea of the U.S. going into the World Cup. They qualify last night, yet I don't know. Maybe it can pick my, my spirits up. I I just look at it as the, the last three games of this, these fixtures here. You're... You, you needed wins. You need. You didn't score in two of them. Am I? Am I more worried or concerned than I need to be? I don't know. We'll talk to Coach next on ESPN New Orleans. Is it COVID? Is it the flu? Or another type of respiratory illness? Looking for a flu or COVID vaccine offered in the evenings or on weekends? Lady of the Sea After Hours is reopening on Monday, January 10th. Our staff of healthcare providers are here for you Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and Saturdays and Sundays from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Walk-ins welcome, no appointments necessary, Located directly in front of the hospital on West 134th Place in Cutoff. Individual rates, coverage offerings, and savings may vary. Subject to terms and conditions not available in all areas. Actual pie customer. Workers' comp can crush a small business every year. It would jump 5, 10, 15, 20%, even though there was never any claims. And that's where I was struggling as a growing business. That's Mike Lozier, owner of Gutter Plumber, a small business in New Jersey. A while back, Mike found his workers' comp costs rising. Luckily, he discovered Pi Insurance. From start to finish, it was extremely easy. They quickly came back to me with a plan that was affordable for me. Are you overpaying for workers' comp? Just go to saveonpie.com, share a few details about your business, and you could save up to 30% with no hassle or hidden fees. Like Mike, we think you'll be glad you did. I'm very happy that I moved over to Pi for my workers' comp so that I can grow my company while not breaking the bank. Find out how much you could save with Pi Insurance. Ask your agent or get a quote at saveonpie.com. That's saveonpie.com. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way, too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. Got a hot take? Everybody listen up. Let's hear it. Call us at 800-998-1003. Answer that phone. Or tweet us at ESPN Radio NOLA. Now, back to the sports hangover with Gus Kattengill. Welcome back. Sports hangover, 800-998-1003. Ben Heisler, top of next hour. Matt Reiser, coach of your Southeastern Lions, coming up next segment. And also... We'll hear from Mike Silver of the Colonels. They're on a five-game winning streak coming up at 115. And we'll touch on all of that and more. Last night over in Costa Rica, the U.S. Um, taking on Costa Rica. And, well, they lost. But 
they qualified. To all the fans that have supported U.S. soccer, you know, deep down, we really appreciate it. You guys have pushed us over the edge this this World Cup qualifying process, um, and we're happy to say see you in Qatar. Thank you, fans, for, for all your support. It's been a long five years, but we're back. We're back. Can't wait to see you guys in Qatar. Now, I want to thank every fan, every fan that supported us, um, everybody that's believed in us. You know, this is this is for you. I know it's been a hard, um, the, the last cycle especially was pretty hard, but, you know, now um, I think we've, we've reached our goal. We've made everybody proud, and uh, we still got a lot more work to do in the World Cup, and hopefully we'll see a lot of you over there in Qatar. Um, but again, from the bottom of my heart, Speaking for the team as well, I just want to thank all of you um, for, for supporting us and believing in us, and hopefully we put some uh, some hope back into American soccer. So that's a couple of the players that Coach Kenny Farrell of your New Orleans Jesters joins us. We were texting last night during it. I guess we start there, right, because that is, after all, <laughs> Coach, that was the goal. After missing the World Cup, the heartbreak, and really the disappointment that was the goal for Bohalter and all these guys to get together and do it. They lost yesterday, which we can get into, but more importantly, they are in the cup, and that's the most important thing, isn't it? Well, it's a success because they set out to qualify for the World Cup, and they've accomplished that. So you have to say it's been a successful campaign. Um, when you think about losing this time four years ago and coming in fifth, we came in third, that's an improvement. There's only three or four holdovers from the last World Cup on this mm-hmm. team. So it's a brand new team learning how to get through CONCACAF qualifiers to get to a World Cup final. And as you know, it only comes around every four years. So I think they've been learning on the job. So I'd have to say it was success. However, I do believe the team is underachieving. I, I, I think that we can be better than what we are. And, you know, scraping in basically because we're tied with Costa Rica, who were fourth on goal difference. That's how close we were to not making it. It's basically goal difference being third in this region with Canada number one and Mexico number two and Mexico being nowhere near the level of the team that they've been over the last 20, 25 years. To be above us, we've got more to do. The thing is, the talent is there and they've been learning on the job. They've got there. Now, what can we do to get ready for this World Cup and beyond? But there is a lot of talent in this group and I think it's, it's, it's going in a good direction. I think it's just so brand new. Right. That were very inconsistent. Coach, the final standings in uh, the the bracket where the U.S. are in, Canada, Mexico, as you mentioned, the U.S., Canada and Mexico with the same points, 28. The U.S., 25, and Costa Rica, 25, as you mentioned. It, it, it wasn't like, hey, you're in, you're in. This was sort of like, okay, well, you know. We, we got in. I guess in sports, like in football and baseball and basketball, you always hear the reference of the backdoor slide or they somehow got in, you know, however you get in. So now you got eight months to fix that. But, Coach, to your point, I texted you this last night. Like, how should I feel? Yes, I'm glad they're in it. But we, we talked about the, the, the three games in March were going to be crucial. You You had hoped that you would have qualified before then. That a terrible showing in the previous fixture. Yeah. And then in this one, you know, coach, because I mean, because that one was crazy. Like they they picked, you know, sub frigid or you know places to play in the cold. They didn't really perform well. And then in this one, where you've got to get wins, two of the three games, coach, they didn't score. Now I know in soccer, nil nil and not scoring can be a good thing. But am I focusing too much on it? Do I have a right to be concerned that in two of the three games you needed scoring, they didn't score? Well, 
Yeah, two things. First of all, be extremely happy that we're in the World Cup Finals. Could you imagine if we weren't? We all sat here four years ago when it didn't happen. So I'd be extremely happy about that. I think you need to be extremely happy that we have the talent. I think the question marks come for we're underachieving, and anybody that underachieves, no matter how good you are, is not doing well enough. You should strive to overachieve. We're, not, we're underachieving when you look at the level of the players. Now, the future should be bright. Uh, there's a question mark over... Is, I still think there's a question mark over the head coach. Is he the pedigree that is needed for a World Cup final for a World Cup squad? Uh, I don't know that that's been answered yet. Um, and we'll have to see as we get ready for these you know, World Cup games that are coming up and the, the preparation games because... Let's take a look now. We're, we're qualified, right? So we've done it. Let's take a look at the draw on Friday and who comes out. We're in pot two, which is good. So hopefully pot three and pot four that will be in our bracket won't be as strong. So we can get to the, to the, to the knockout stages and it won't be a group of death. And then we'll look at the schedule when it's laid out to prepare for those World Cup games. And remember this as well. The U.S. on the road in qualifying were very poor. They did well at home. They were very poor at traveling, going on the road, and getting the results that they needed. I don't know if that they just weren't prepared to play in these countries right. in Central America, um, or maybe they were prepared incorrectly playing these games. So we don't know that yet. But we've now got to prepare for these games in the World Cup Finals. The last thing we want is to go and underachieve over there. To be successful at the World Cup Finals, you have to overachieve. I don't think we're the world beaters. We're number 15 in FIFA rankings, which is very favorable to us because Canada who won this group, are ranked at 38, which is kind of hard to understand in itself. But um, but going forward, how do we prepare for that? If they achieve and overachieve and they get the best out of them and the leadership is good and it's not just cheerleading, it's really putting this game together with your best players, your best systems and understanding teams playing against, we could do well. If that's not done, we could actually have a terrible World Cup. So let's be extremely happy that we're there. It's the next phase, right? It's the next step. The next step is preparation for the finals. It's going to kick off in November. It's in a part of the world that has never had a World Cup before. We don't know how people are going to react over there. We don't know how teams are going to play over there uh, in that part of the world. There's never one been held there before. We don't know if it's going to be good football or people like living there, if they like the food, if they like... We have no idea because no one's really done it in that country before. So lots to get ready for. If I was right. you, Doug... I'd be really happy that we qualified and I would pay close attention to what Burhalter is doing with this team and does he understand what his best team is and can he get the best out of the players? I think one of the things, uh, Coach, as well as when you look at the offense, like, what, you know, what adjustments can you make? Like, I, I think, like, should Reina play more? Like, what should be the attack and, and how should you do things? Well, you always, you know, I always, well, you've got to take a look at the opposition that you're playing first of all. Uh, you know, it's going to be very high competition at World Cup Finals for most of the games. And then you look at the best players that you have and how do you blend those players in the best way for them to perform best? I mean, if you look at Pulisic, he played out wide last night. He wasn't impactful. He played in the middle of the field on on Sunday night and he was superb. Uh, how are you going to play him? Do you want him to be a lead player in the game? You know, where is superb on the right-hand side? Keep him there the goalkeeping situation. You've got to analyze every player and say, how do they blend best? How do they complement each other? What are they like in transition? Can they defend in a block? Obviously, we haven't given up a lot of goals. And one of our concerns going into these qualifiers is that we weren't good enough around the back. Now, I do think that's tremendously improved, that we can stay in game and not go behind. I think we proved that. Would there be a question mark this weekend over Stefan, the goalkeeper? Is he our best goalkeeper? 
I don't think he was good. I, th- I think he definitely could have stopped at least one or two of them last night. I think they were savable, um, but he didn't get to them. So let's see. Let's see what happens. It's really about finding the right formation. And also, I said we said this. We said this the last time around. Just it was, you know, listen to the players. You learn a lot from the players about blending. I mean, you you should be far above them as far as tactically and and understanding what's needed. But listen to them because they have to buy into your system. Right. They have to buy into your system. They have to. They have. To, they have to believe that they can win with the system that you put in. If you don't put in the system and you don't have that relationship with the players and they think that they know better than you, it's going nowhere. So I really think it comes down to the coach at this stage. Because I was going to say, Coach, one of the things that we worried about, speaking with head coach Kenny Farrell of New Orleans Jesters, kind of breaking down the U.S. qualifying, but I don't know. You can tell me how you think that they've performed in two of the last three games here. I, I think one of the things, Coach, that we had a question mark five years ago was keeper, right? Who's going to be the keeper? Who's going to be that guy in the middle, the defense? I, I would actually say it's been surprising, at least my observation over the last year and a half. It seems like the U.S. can play defense. It seems like we have a decent keeper in in, in a few of them that have played well. It, yeah, it is the consistency in scoring, and, and that's that's a different thing because those two things, defense and goalkeeping, that's going to either you know win or lose you games, obviously, because that was a huge problem with the U.S. They couldn't play defense to save their life. So at least you got that aspect of it. As a coach, tell me, how easy is it to create offense? Creative players, I mean, obviously, they'll, you know, you'll have to blend them, you know, that they work with each other, but they'll all have their favorite position. They'll all be very successful from one part of the field that they like to drift to and become successful. And you've got to identify your best players that are game changers. And the ones that are game changers and the goal scorers, you will adjust the other players to make sure that they get into positions where they can be the most effective. So if you've got three A players and you've got three A minus players and three B players and three B minus players or whatever, you, you, you basically get those A players where they need to be if you possibly can, because that's going to break the deadlock. They're the ones that can win the game for you. You go back to Landon Donovan, you know, and, and Tim Howard. You know, that you look at that World Cup and how well the team did in that World Cup. They fought like dogs, but they were the only, you know, there was only two or three A players in that team, but they were in the right positions. They got into the right positions. They scored goals. I mean, I mean, Howard was the right choice for goalkeeper. He was incredible. So find those players first. Make sure that they you know how impactful they can be in the game. And I would build the rest of it around. We saw Christian Pulisic kind of get that captain's armband. He had a nice game against, you know, Panama. Is he the guy that needs to sort of elevate that, or do you need someone else to sort of step? I, I brought up that name, Reina. I mean, is there other guys yeah. that you think that need to, over the next eight months, which, again, my next question is, how do you do so? Like, with the Pelicans, you need offense. Well, I can practice with football. We can work on plays with soccer. Most of these guys won't see each other again for a couple of months. Yeah, so with the captaincy, um, really, it's the relationship that he's kind of like the coach on the field. And, he, you know, I don't – I haven't seen the personality from Pulisic to be the captain. If you go back to the former captain, Bradley, in the last group, you know, he wasn't as talented as Pulisic. He's an extremely good player. He would never have reached the, the levels that Pulisic has reached by winning the Champions League and playing for Chelsea in the Premier League. However, he had more about him as a captain. He controlled the dressing room. People listened to him. He set expectations for players. He didn't get down on himself when he wasn't playing well. He listed other players around him. I have not seen that from Pulisic. 
And I truly haven't seen it from any of the players yet. We're looking for that player to step forward. I'm not really sure who that player is. But that's a key player, and I don't think it's Pulisic. Who do you think that would be then? Right now, to be honest with you, um, this might come like a shock. I think it might be Zimmerman, to be honest with you. Uh, I think he's the one that that's really, really, um, you know, he's not a world-class player. He's turned out to be a very good player. But I think the players around him listen to him. I think he sets his expectations, and he, you just get that sense that there's going to be, everyone's going to be on their game when they're around. And if he's given the authority to go and mm-hmm. get, him, get on people, and make sure that they're producing at the top level and they're not slacking off. He, he, he shows me that in games. But I'm not really sure yet who that player is. I'm really not, and I don't think Burrhelter is either. Hey, Coach Kenny Farrier, your New Orleans gestures tomorrow. The draw comes out. We'll chat again tomorrow about uh, what do you think once that group and everything comes out to sort of look at it. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You're <laughs> listening. <laughs> what time is that happening? What time is that happening? Amazing. Yeah. It's great stuff. Let's go to Qatar in, uh, in November, Coach. Well, I, 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 the time change might be a little different. I don't know how we do the show from there. But <laughs> thank you, Coach. Appreciate the time, bud. Thank you. Yep, for sure. Quick break. We come back. We'll see if we can get a hold of Matt Reiser, head coach of your Southeastern Lions. We'll talk to him on a little college baseball when we come back. Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans. Calvin Braxton Ford is your brand new car dealer in Lockport, Louisiana. They cannot wait for you to stop in and take a look at their big town inventory and small town prices. Schedule your test drive today and let one of their trained sales staff help you every step of the way. Their skilled management team ensures that you'll have a phenomenal experience, whether it be sales, service, parts, or financing. Ford, the number one brand in America. Stop by today at Calvin Braxton Ford, 5878 Highway 1 in Lockport. RTC, ETEL, and Vision have always led the way in communications. A network built for every possibility. Internet, TV, voice, and security. And now, we're moving faster than ever before, propelling us forward into the future. That's what we call revolution. And the revolution is closer than you think. RTC, ETEL, and Vision are now Rev. New name, same company. Learn more at letsrev.com. Delivery trucks rush all over town and sometimes cause king-size accidents. The King Firm has trial attorneys experienced at handling crashes involving delivery trucks. They can help fight for your medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering. Get the royal treatment you deserve when you ring the King. If you've been injured in a delivery truck accident, ring the King at 909-KING. I was surprised. I was definitely surprised. Yep, we had no idea. Totally surprised. Um, can you say jaw drop? Who knew? State Farm with these great rates? The surprise everyone's talking about is the surprisingly great rates for home and auto insurance from State Farm, especially when you combine them. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today. 985-632-0988. Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. As always, we appreciate the time for head coach Matt Reiser to join us. Talk a little Lions baseball. Coach, good afternoon to you. How are you? 
Good afternoon, guys. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, I want to publicly apologize to you, man, for last week, buddy. Uh, I appreciate your coverage and taking the time to cover us, man. And for me, missing last week, it's, it's uh, no excuse. So appreciate you having me back on this week and, and covering us, man. Oh, man, not not a problem. Uh, you're busy. You're a head coach, and all else fails when a guest doesn't come on. I blame Jordan, the intern. That's all that works. It's real easy. <laughs> it's never my fault or it, your man. fault, coach. I promise, man. No worries. No worries at all. Yeah, you're you're busy because uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about a massive win against number one ranked. Ole Miss, coach. There's a problem yeah. though. Since then, that was your last. That was your last win. Uh, yeah, no kidding, right? You figured that uh, that win would would drill off uh, a few in a row there, but you thought they were going to be in a win column and not the loss column, right? This game ceases to amaze you, and uh, you know how the games roll out and how they play out sometimes. And, you know, no no excuses from our guys. We uh, they're still fighting. They're doing what they're supposed to, and mm-hmm. you know they're keeping the head high and uh, obviously trying to get back in this fight. We've had some injuries, and we know that. And, uh, you know, we continue to have a few more injuries as, as the season's gone along. And, you know, we had a good talk on Monday, man, just did a total reset, you know, kind of back to a day one. We talked about when things are, are cracked or, or things are broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the foundation of step one of where you started. And so we we went clean-shaven, first meeting, right, like it was fall, get in there <laughs> and uh, let's have some conversation, introduce ourselves, right, change up the locker room and, uh, it was good. It was good to, to kind of get some things in there and just make them, you know, aware. You know, we've had some anticipation of Brennan Stupers being able to come back, our freshman mm-hmm. All-American, from his injury. He's going to end up having to take a medical red shirt this year. You know, last Wednesday against Tulane, we uh, unfortunately went down, and then Trey Harrington went down, one of our, our relievers and closers as well. So, hey, man, just kind of look at the board and say this is this is the team we have. This is still a, a really good team. A lot of pieces here to, to be able to put us in a position to win a lot of games and, and be able to – uh, obviously still win a conference championship, you know, last weekend, obviously didn't go away. First time we've been swept at Nichols, uh, I guess Nichols since I've been here in 15 years, but you know, uh, we talked about being alphas and we talked about being real competitors, man. And they love a real challenge. Well, <laughs> we got a real challenge right here in front of us. So, uh, they'll answer the bell. And I thought, you know, even though the, the win and Colin didn't come out the way we wanted to on Tuesday night, I thought we, we performed pretty well there on Tuesday night against ULL. Yeah, six four defeat there, Coach Matt Riser of the Southeastern Lions. You know what's interesting? I always like look at sports and there's there's two elements to it, right? I mean there's that physical nature of the game, coaching the hitting, the errors, the pitching, the stuff like that, and in the mental aspect, which you just touched on too. It's so important in so many sports. I think a lot of times I'd argue more so in baseball. I know tennis, you're by yourself. You don't have that coach on there. But in baseball, coach, you've seen it. I mean, you've been around the game as long as you have. Hitters get hot, you know, where the ball looks like a softball or a basketball. And at other times, man, they can't hit anything. Pitchers, they can throw dimes and nip the corners. At other times, can't throw a strike, right? Guys can field. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, a bunny hop looks like a, a sharp screamer at them. The, the mental aspect is so important, I think, in baseball. And it was interesting how when you look at it, losing eight like that or something like that for you to to, to focus on maybe, hey, just kind of clean slate and wipe it away to where there's no pressure. Because you can go the other way, can't you, as a coach, to maybe, you know, over drill or over coach. And, and maybe that not, might not be the wrong thing, but you chose to maybe not go that route. Yeah, you know, well, we just talked about foundation. You know, I, I don't want to, uh, in, you know, a sense of, hey, what is our core? What is our principles? You know, what's, what's our purpose for being here? What's our why? And I think that's what gets lost when you, in a season, you know, you guys, you know how it goes, man. We're playing four or five times a week. These kids have got class, you know, all of a sudden you're on a bus on a Thursday, head to San Antonio, 
uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on. So it's time, you know, sometimes, sometimes hard during the season to just kind of hit the timeout button and say, hey, man, pause for a second. We got to reset everything. But I think that's where we were, right? I think that's where we are right now where we had to find a way to make time for it. Uh, and the guys are committed to that part of it. You know, again, they haven't complained. They haven't whined. They haven't made any excuses for this. You know, they understand the situation we're in. If we had some guys underperform, yeah, you know, and what's the reason behind it? Uh, you know, a little bit maybe because they're beaten and battered. A little bit is because maybe they're trying to do too much, trying to overcome some of the other uh, stuff. So I said, you know, let's get back to just basics. Let's get back to being us, who we are, what we are, remind us ourselves of our purpose. And, yeah, that's the approach we've taken. And, uh, like I said, it didn't work out for us there on, on Tuesday night there. But uh, I think the, the mindset is getting more back in the right direction because, like you said, I think this game is more mental than any other game there is. <laughs> you start to get going downhill, man. It's oh, just yeah. tough to start uh, start changing that thought process. So we've got to do a good job of reminding ourselves, hey, man, we expect yeah. to win. Every time we go out, whatever type ball game you're going to get in, there's five moments in a game. You know, dominate those five moments in a game that can turn side our way or go the other way. The graph, Todd Graffinini used to tell me all the time, you want to avoid the yips. You never want to have that. That's it. That's <laughs> you, it. you get That's it for sure. All right, so tell us a little bit about UIW, Coach. Yeah, you know, uh, they're coming off of uh, opening conference weekend where they're at Corpus and lost two out of three. Uh, coming off a, a tough midweek loss there as well against San Antonio where they lost an extra minute. So they played the right schedule, you know. Uh, they've got another Friday night guy. Like everybody in conference is going to have a Friday night guy. Nichols through their guy last last Saturday instead of Friday and matched up with us that way. But he's going to go on Friday against our Friday night guy with Kinsler and um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're good in their ballpark. I think they're, you know, sitting a little above 500, or maybe a game or 500 overall, but in their ballpark, they're nine and one or 10 and one or whatever it is. So, uh, like most teams are, they're good there. Uh, we know that we're well aware of that, but I think Gus, if anything, man, they can really take a hold of is we've seen, it's not about who's on the other side, right? In the dugout across from us, it's about what's inside of our dugout. So mm-hmm. we got to do a good job getting back. Um, you know, with Kendall going on Friday night, gives us a great chance, a great opportunity to do that there on the mound and uh, get our offense going a little bit this weekend. Head Coach Matt Rogers, always, I do appreciate the time and don't ever apologize. Just blame the intern, okay? <laughs> sounds good, but I appreciate it. <laughs> nah, man, sounds good. Look forward to talking to you when you can, and uh, good luck this weekend and bring home a couple of W's. Sounds great, Gus. Appreciate it. Line Sounds up, Sounds good. Baby. Yep, line up. Mr. Matt Reiser. We'll chat with him hopefully next week, and hopefully they have a couple of W's. If you want to check them out over online, lionsports.net, and, of course, over on Twitter is the way to uh, check them out by just literally typing in Lion Up Baseball. Mike Silva, uh, responsible for three of those losses that the Lions have now suffered eight straight of. They won five straight, so let's talk to Coach coming up at one fifteen. Ben Heisler, though, right out of this top of the hour break, I'll ask him about the, you know, some, some games maybe to make a little change on here as well, and his thoughts on the Final Four. It, it's like days away. It's two days away, the Final Four. Uh, looking forward to it. Villanova, Kansas, game one, followed by Duke and UNC. So, Hour one is in the books. Thank you for joining us. Hour two is next. Don't go anywhere. Sports hangover on your home for Pelicans basketball. ESPN New Orleans.
At Thibodeau Regional, we're proud to announce we've received HealthGrade's 2017 Outstanding Patient Experience and Patient Safety Excellence Awards. What's more, we're the only hospital in Louisiana to achieve both awards four years in a row. Why should this matter? Because it confirms two things. Our commitment to quality and your satisfaction. Both very 